0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. He just a on fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace. What a jump ball. This He's down four, 12-8, 7-38. the first. Oh, yes. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Countdown, baby, and a foul. Reggie inside for Andre in and a dynamite dunk. Hello, Pistons fans, and well, non-Pistons fans too, to episode number 55 here of the Palace of Pistons podcast, Brendan Johnson, Ryan Pay, and yes, Aaron Johnson is back from Florida this week. He is here with us in studio to discuss, well, maybe the hottest team ever. In basketball, The Pistons have won 10 out of 12 games. They have been tearing it up since the All-Star break. Andre Drummond's been playing well. Blake Griffin's been Blake Griffin, but they've been able to round out a starting lineup. They've been able to find some depth. Luke Kennard is playing like an absolute stud. Boy, oh boy, guys, we have so much to talk about. But I'm going to go to Ryan first, since he was here last week, Ryan, this team's playing really good basketball.
0: Playing great basketball right now, Brendan. It's exciting brand. This team's exciting to watch. We finally have an exciting team in this city in what feels like 10 years. It's just been rough. Yeah, the Tigers have been exciting, you know, the past five years. But just, it's felt so slow and boring. The Pistons are playing great ball right now. And I just want to say, welcome back, Aaron. Uh, It's good to have you back. How was Florida?
2: Well, much like Blake Griffin now, I needed a rest. I needed some time off, and I got it. Uh, It's great to be back. I enjoyed Florida's beautiful weather. had a great time, but I needed a little bit of a rest. I had a couple days off. Load management, it's necessary. Um, But the Pistons, in my absence, have gone out. They've done a good job. They've continued their hot play. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad to be back. You guys did a pretty good job on the podcast last week. I, I listened to it while I was in Florida, so... So make sure I stayed up to date with you guys You did pretty good Ryan, you know, you're, you're really always solid Brendan, you were okay You know, I'd say it was one of your better weeks in recent history But overall, a good podcast And, uh, you know, like I said on Twitter I'm back to save the podcast I know people are always kind of iffy with Brendan on So decided I'd come back hey, this week and save the day Ryan, this guy could never podcast in the 80s and
1: 90s He would just get out-hustled He'd get beat up in there He's too soft Way too soft
0: you're, you're not meant for that generation. No, this is his y- you generation. You belong here now, in a
1: softer league. Right? You know, the old days where everybody had their own microphone and you're in each other's faces. He could never handle that. Now it's just sitting back, everybody a little more casual. I'll do relaxed. a pod or two. I'm going to take yeah. one or two off.
0: I'll do another one, maybe. Another one or two off.
1: Sure, whatever. Aaron's just waiting for playoff mode, and then all of a sudden he'll lock in. Yeah, they
0: can activate playoff mode. Okay.
1: uh, But you know what, with the way the Pistons are going, his playoff mode doesn't have to start as early this year. He can really just sit back and then be ready to go.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Any comment?
2: You know, I'm here to do the pod this week. I'm going (laughs) to respectfully decline to comment on on any comments of the past, on what I would do in the past. I'm more focused on the now and in the future. I'm looking forward, not backward. I'm ready to have a good show today. And talk about the hottest team in the league. Well, Detroit has won
1: ten out of twelve games. They sit at thirty-two and thirty-one. They're sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Um, and guys, I mean, you kind of look at it. I mean, they're twenty and thirteen at home, which is impressive that they've you know really taken advantage of their play at Little Caesars Arena. Um, But overall, just really good numbers for Detroit. I still think it's interesting that they average 107.8 points per game and their opponents average 107.9 points per game. But I guess that kind of explains why we're teetering right around 500. But this team winning 10 out of 12, getting back above 500 for the first time since before Christmas, it's been a real pleasure to see because this team could have went one of two ways. They could have went all-in just trying to compete and and maybe traded for a Mike Conley. They could have decided to blow it up, maybe move a big piece, get rid of Dre and get rid of Reggie and say, "We're, we're scrapping this, we're starting over. Or they could really just kind of stand pat. Yeah, they made a couple small moves. Getting Wayne Ellington was a nice signing, no doubt about it, and we'll talk a little bit more about him. But no drastic move was made at the deadline. And it was kind of a, well, let's see what happens. Let's get healthy. We have a favorable schedule. If we can make a push, great. And if we don't make a push, well, then maybe things will be reevaluated in the offseason. And Ryan, I've seen you tweet about it before every day. I'm so happy Detroit did not go out and try to make a belligerent move to get a guy like a Mike Conley just to try to salvage what this season was to get to a sixth seed
0: every game you watch, you have to just thank God that the front office didn't make that type of move. Because that type of move would have been including Luke Kennard. And we are watching Luke Kennard grow up right in front of our eyes. This is fantastic. He has found himself as a player. His confidence is up. He's shooting lights out. He's making plays for his team. You can't say enough. Thank you to the front office for not making that move. They took the patient approach with Luke Kennard. It's huge. And it was the best move they could have made.
1: You know, Luke Kennard has been absolutely killing it. I think he's found his role on the bench. With that, Detroit has really been able to now solidify their starting lineup. And that is with Reggie, Bruce Brown, Wayne Ellington, Blake, and Andre. But, you know, we didn't know what combination of Kennard... Bruce, Wayne Ellington, a Langston Galloway, a Glenn Robinson the third, uh we didn't know what arrangement it was gonna end up finally being in the starting lineup, but Bruce and Wayne have worked really well together, and then that combo of
2: Ish and Kennard off the bench has been solid for Detroit. Yeah, it has its nice dynamics to really both fronts. I, I think Bruce you need him in there right now for the defense and Wayne Ellington has come in, and while initially he didn't shoot the ball very well, he is now shooting it pretty well. You look at—it's not always about percentages with a guy like Ellington, because you look at the degree of difficulty that his three-point attempts come off of. Yeah, and it's you know him flying off of a curled screen into a shot right off the bat. It's not like he's you know setting up and just catch and shoot wide open on the wing. He's getting it off a dribble handoff, taking a few dribbles to create space, and then taking the shot. Those are the type of three-pointers that you're just not going to shoot as efficiently as you would a spot-up spot, a spot up three-pointer. So, he's shooting the ball pretty well considering the shots that he's taking. Um, and the the metrics bear out just how good this starting lineup is for Detroit. And that's due to, well, the way that Bruce Brown plays on the defensive end and how his offensive game has grown. It's he- here and there throughout the season. Wayne Ellington's shooting presence, his spacing presence. It goes back to you know Blake being Blake, even though he has struggled a little bit in this recent stretch, and we'll talk about that later on. And it also goes to the way that Reggie and Andre have played as the team has started to run the pick and roll more. The offense has come into its form, and that's why we're seeing this team play as well as they've been playing. It's great that Dwayne Casey's found the correct starting lineup combination, and it's fantastic that Luke Kennard is coming to form and is playing at the level that we have foreseen that he can do you look at what he's done off the bench, the new bench group of Ish, Luke, Langston. Then you can have either Thon Maker and Zaza You can have Glenn Robinson and Thon Maker. Um, you know it's working. That that bench lineup is working right now, and you know it, it starts with Ish and Luke because those guys are just big time players for them, even though they don't start. But it also comes with guys like Langston, who's starting to play a little bit better, and Glenn Robinson III, who's coming in and showing that he can do (laughs) a little bit more in a bigger role. And then you have Don Maker, who, you know, he has his definite deficiencies. He's not very strong. He doesn't really use his hands well. um, But he, he makes a presence on both sides of the floor, just being active, having energy, and being confident.
1: Well, you know, you look at like the Toronto game, for instance. Glenn Robinson III came in cold in the fourth quarter and had an immediate impact, scored a few points, got a couple transition buckets, got the crowd going in Little Caesars Arena, and maybe it's just me, but Langston Galloway, if he is not shooting the ball well, you've got to get him out of the game because the guy's not giving you anything. You're not. I mean, you're not wrong.
0: You're right. Langston Galloway's purpose and role on the team is to be a shooter off the bench. And when he's not accomplishing that... Excuse me, guys. Sorry, I have a cold. Accomplish, Accomplishing that... But you, you see how it. he's here? You got
1: you it. You see how I- he's here, though? You say he didn't just go to Florida to rest up for a week? He's here. Don't be... T-
2: Brendan's the I last person that should be talking about missing time. I'm telling you, since this core has come together and started its podcast... Brennan has by far missed the most <coughs> episodes. By far. But let's go check the analytics on not that. Not
1: really for leisure. Yours was for... You took a leisure miss.
2: No comment. Yeah, oh, that's wow. what I
1: thought. Anyway, let's circle it back. Langston Galloway.
0: Yes. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Is that what we were talking about? Is it, I have no idea. Who knows at this point? Um, if he's not shooting, you're right. He's not yeah. contributing much. But in this stretch of games, he's been shooting. So you've got to keep him on the floor. But there's a time and place to know when and where he has to come out and when he needs to be replaced.
1: And, and, well, and I thought you saw it in the Toronto game, which was good because Langston was giving you nothing. He turned the ball over a couple times and finally went to Glenn Robinson. And if Langston's not scoring the ball, if he comes in it's cold, I would love to see Glenn get a few more minutes because he went in and played some solid D, runs the floor
2: well too. Yeah, the thing with Langston is he's, he's had a couple, he's, He had a nice February shot, you know, 36.5% from the three-point line after shooting under 30% and then under 32% in the two months prior to that. And then so far in March, he's at 38.5% from the three-point line. You like what he does spacing-wise. He tries to compete defensively even though he's undersized you know, at just three. But, you know, the thing with Glenn is he provides that dynamic that Detroit just doesn't have in their usual rotation of a bigger wing. And the thing is they're not even playing Glenn at the three. They're you know, they run so undersized that Glenn has been playing the four mm-hmm. when he's gotten in. Yeah. Um, and the thing is you mentioned it, he runs the floor really well. He cuts the basket. He I mean in Toronto he had two nice really two nice cuts the basket that netted him two to two baskets. Uh, he can shoot it and he competes defensively. He has he has a couple lapses here and there. I think when you go to that Minnesota game, he got messed up on a right wing three from Minnesota, where him and I believe it was either Langston or Luke uh, got caught up together on a on a pick and roll or a switch of some sorts. And they didn't switch. They didn't know if they were going to switch. You know that's on both of them. But they got caught up there. But overall, he does a really good job yeah. on one on one defense. He gets his hands up, stays with his man. Um, and I just, he doesn't hurt the team. You know, he's a guy that isn't going to burn you. Well, the thing
1: is, you talk about them going so grossly undersized. This team has a hard time rebounding the basketball. I mean, we saw it again. I kind of keep pointing at the Toronto game when Andre was out in foul trouble. I mean, Toronto was just killing him on the glass. And it took Andre coming back in to finally revive Detroit and you know killing some possessions, extending some possessions, and then allowing some other guys to get in there, because opponents have to worry about Dre, and all of a sudden Detroit was able to fight back into that game after getting down and then eventually win because of it, um, but playing a guy like Glenn, though he is undersized, if you're going to run him at the four, he might be your best rebounding threat off the bench, and I think there's some value
2: in that, too. Well, I think, I think Zaza, when he's when he's been healthy, I know he's been hurt recently, he's your best rebounder off the bench. But, I mean, Thon, there's, there's times where he can, but there's just times where he's just not there. Like, he mm-hmm. just gets moved out of the way because he's so skinny, so so fragile. Um, well, one thing I did want to hit about that kind of moves away from Glenn, but you brought up Andrew Drummond, you brought up the rebounding, and that's something that y- y- I've started to see a little bit more this year, is people bringing up the st- that the statistics show that the Pistons are a better rebounding team when Drummond's off the floor. And... Look, I'm a big believer in analytics and stats. Like I, they're 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 very useful and they mo- they bear out a lot. But that's that's just a wrong stat. That stat just doesn't really well, show you the story. It
1: does depend the lineup Detroit runs out there, you know. And Ryan, I'm sure you'd agree with this. To where there's times where Detroit's go Detroit goes grossly small, and it's like, well, yeah, Doug. You well they just don't or,
2: they don't have the size.
1: But if they do run a healthy Zaza and Thon out there, not saying they'd be a better rebounding team than Dre, but it's some of those bigger lineups they have. You know, maybe even when Henry Ellinson was in town.
2: Uh sorry wow. had to drop it. Had wow. to drop it. Sorry. He's been off the of team team for like three weeks now. When are we gonna move on? When are you gonna move on from Henry Ellinson? I still need
1: closure. Then? still need closure. Hey, I
2: moved on from Stanley. It, it was on one of those
1: me. things, like, the wound was healing, and then he then he went to New York, and he like, just
2: balled out, and then he got a full contract, and it was just like, boom, reopened. I think, I think that the game against <coughs> Toronto showed just how valuable Andre Drummond is. Mm-hmm. Detroit was a plus 27 with him on the court. They beat up the Raptors when Drummond was out of, you know, played, in, you know, the fourth quarter and in overtime. You know, they dominated on the glass. I mean, you saw how bad Detroit was on the glass when Drummond was off the floor and just how much of an impact he made on that side, yeah. uh, on that area. But they were like a plus nine on the glass once Dre got back in the game. Exactly. That's the difference he makes because he's there every single time. He does not take a rebounding opportunity off. Um, but and, and to encapsulate it all, I think it's important Incapulate. to... encapsulate. That's a big word. I think it's important to...
1: Encapsulate? I think it's
2: encapsulate, yes. Yeah, that's Encapul- what <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> I meant. Gosh. I think it's important to talk about just how impressive Drummond's performance was against Toronto, given that he was in foul trouble the entire time, and those fouls were dumb fouls. Those were on him. Yes, Those were, were. 100% on him, but for him to come back out when it mattered the most and make the impact that he made... I was very impressed with that after being very disappointed with the way he came out in such a a hyped-up game for Detroit.
0: I'm trying not to talk as much as you guys on this pod because it's difficult because I'm so congested. So I'm trying to let you guys run the conversation, but you're right about that. Everything Dre did early in that game was dumb as hell in terms of fouls. It pissed me off so much watching that because this game was so important for Detroit and there was so much hype around it for him to not be smart and to be careless with his fouls. But he 1 million percent redeemed himself coming back in that game, like so smart and so dominant in how he did it. And this is the maturation of Andre Drummond. This is what we've been waiting for. And we're finding it. And he makes the team better. And yeah. He, as he, plus 27, <clears throat> plus 9 rebounding, a win. When he came back in, and he played, what, 25, 26, 27 minutes in that game. But like Blake said, in his. Uh, Post game presser, it felt like Dre played ten minutes because he wasn't really out there. But those ten minutes were spectacular. That's what it felt like.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was early in the game. He picked the two fouls, came out, went back out there, got a third, came out. Early in the you know, second half, got his fourth, came out, went back out there, played a little bit, got a fifth. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my goodness, Dre. You know, can't and they let him play with three fouls for a while. Um, and once he picked up the fourth, he went out and so forth. But It's like, I I think Blake said it best. I also thought Blake's comments, and I was impressed by Blake's comments he made, when he basically said, well, we're the sixth seed. We haven't won anything. What are we all hyping up about, proud of? And that's not, obviously, that's a paraphrase. It's not the direct quote. But you get my point. A true leader, was. I respected that, going, hey, congratulations, we're above 500, or congratulations, we're a sixth seed. We haven't won anything yet. Like, what are we all celebrating here? And that right there was a big positive to
2: me. But yeah, and you need that. You need that because, I mean, let's face it, Detroit could be in a much better position if they didn't have a terrible December and January. You know, they could be right there with Boston. They could probably be up there with Indiana and, and Philadelphia if they didn't just... Pack it in for two months. I mean, you're seriously you're not wrong about that. The Pistons could be fighting
0: for a three or four seed right now. Especially the pacers
1: declining right now. Right. They
0: December and January, the Pistons were one of, if not the worst team in basketball record wise. They were horrendous. It's funny with how great this stretch is. Ten games before the All Star Break and post All Star Break. This is fantastic what the team's doing. But it's funny how quickly we forget how trash this team was in December and January. We can't forget that. No, All right? No, we can't. And we, because we're riding a hot streak right now. But what has been a theme of mine since forever: water finds its level. We are high tide right now.
2: I think you said that like the first podcast we ever did together. So. I, and I've said it several times since.
0: We are riding high tide right now. We're gonna come down a little bit. We're gonna even out. And when we even out, it would be nice that we weren't so low in those months. Fighting for these last three spots in the playoffs, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and 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 that goes to—I mean, we've talked about it—the two—the two main guys that have helped research the resurgence of this team and Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. Uh, obviously, Jackson looks more healthy than ever, and that's a big com- component of. And him so maybe that's around. what keeps us going higher than normal. Correct, but this isn't the same Andre Drummond that it was earlier in December and January. Oh, absolutely not. And, and that's what I think we need to be praising is Drummond has been so much better. The growth. The growth. It's about his growth. It's not, oh, Drummond's been doing this all year. You guys just haven't been seeing it. No, he hasn't. He hasn't been doing this At all, all year. He's been one of the most, he's been so much more efficient shooting the basketball. He was, sh- sh- you know, shooting 50% earlier in the season. Now he's up 60% in this stretch. You know, he's blocking more shots. He's just being a just so much more active.
0: He's making the smart play. He's, he's passing out of the post when the shot's that's, not there. And,
2: and that's what I was going to talk about next. You want to talk about not just stats. You want to talk about you know game film. Go back earlier in the season and watch Under Drummond get an offensive rebound. He was putting it back up. He was tipping it. This time, he gets the offensive rebound, and it's not just, oh, I'm going to back him down. I'm going to throw up a, a shot with three people all over me. Let me wait. Let me be patient. If I have a shot, I'll take it. And if not, I'm going to pass it out to one of my shooters standing out there. It's a much more patient Honor Drummond. This is not the Honor Drummond we saw earlier in the season. This Honor Drummond is so much better, so much funner. I want to talk about the, the uh, poll that we put out on, at Palace of Pistons on Twitter. You guys, it's still up, so please go vote on it. But the, the question was, who's been the most fun player to, to watch over this stretch? And I think the answer is between Honor Drummond and Luke Kennard. Honor Drummond's winning the poll. But it's Canard, bro. It's Canard. I I mean, Drummond's a guy that gets so much, you know, I wouldn't say hate, but so many people rag on him. Scrutiny. Scrutiny. Because this level of play that he's playing with
0: is something we've all seen in him since he was at UConn. And it's taken six and a half years to get there. I get it. When you're young, there's a maturing process. We get it. But it's finally here to where he is the most
2: dominant center in the league. And for, and for him to be winning a poll that talks about him being the funnest player to watch on the team right now, that says a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was looking at the wrong numbers. Guess who's winning the poll? Andre's in second. Luke Kennard's running away with it. Yes. Right yeah, yes, he is. I couldn't, I, yes uh, I is. wanted to vote on that
0: poll, but I'm having too much trouble with it. Because, yes, Luke, watching Luke Kennard grow up in front of our eyes and possibly be becoming the star That I thought he could be when I watched Duke basketball and him play. Because I'm a Duke guy, so I watch every Duke game. And I knew this kid can do it in the league. And now we're possibly seeing it. And how much excitement and energy he brings to the team is great. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Drummond finally realizing his potential and becoming a superstar. Superstar? Superstars average 23-15. and And as those are numbers Andre
1: can put up. Here's the difference. Here's the difference, right? Andre's not forcing himself into plays anymore, and he's making the smart play. He's getting bored, so get the putback. That's gong, what we're, that's so what we're saying. You know, yeah. And but it's not. It's exciting for us junkies to watch because we're seeing him reach his potential in terms of fun to watch when Luke Canard straps up that three, leaves that follow-through hand, all of a sudden, like, Luke is just, like, finally becoming that shooter we knew he could be. Like, Dre, there's everybody, like, everybody knew he had it in him, but also there's been a lack of belief he'd ever get there. So I think people are still coming around to it, whereas with Luke, with him being young and flashy, and and... and Let's just be honest. Anytime somebody is strapping up from three, that's the trend in the league. right When you you're pulling it? up
0: from 32 feet on Nick Stauskas and draining it,
2: gosh, that was beautiful. Do you, do you hear the crowd when Luke Kennard has the ball in his hands? Yeah. Luke. The crowd just, yeah, Luke, because they want to shoot the ball. Luke is becoming an icon. You look at him. Fan favorite, big time. Yeah. And this is a guy that Detroit took in front of Donovan Mitchell, and that was a talk for the, you know his first season in the league. But now it's transformed into Luke Kennard is balling, and you know everyone loves Luke. You look at him post All Star break, seven games, averaging over 27 minutes, compared to just 21 minutes prior to the All Star break. Shooting 11 and a half times per game on 55 percent shooting from the field, taking over six threes per game on 52 th- percent shooting from the three point line, averaging 16, 17 points, shooting 85 percent from the three point line. He's Got three rebounds, over two assists per game. Doesn't turn the ball over much. Averaging more steals. I was going to say, he's been playing some defense. We talked yeah, about this last week. We talked about last week. And yeah, and the defense and the net rating overall, plus 7.7. guys and Art has been so freaking good. We've got to remember, this was a guy his
0: rookie year who really didn't play much and then got hurt in the offseason. So in this like hand- time. And, his time, in the regular and season. his time in the regular season. And look how he's still growing and maturing in his games coming along. Can you imagine if the Pistons make the playoffs, he gets that experience, and then he gets a whole healthy offseason to work? We could be looking at a real player here, guys. Something I really thought was possible with him from day one with him at Duke was he can be a player in the league. The guy is a crazy good shooter, he's a good playmaker. He spaces the floor. He's starting to play defense. It's
2: coming around, and it is exciting. Luke Kennard has been playing with a fuck-you attitude. Yes, for, for absolutely. Ever I since agree. he got into that little issue on the bench with some of the coaches. Well, there and goes
1: my marketing plan to our younger listeners.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he has just been an absolute killer lately. An absolute killer. With that kind of attitude, with that kind of confidence, that's a guy that can average 20 points a game. That's a guy that's going to do what he's doing. And it's so fun and it's so important to this team because we see how Detroit plays with him on the court. And they are so much better when he is out there. And when he can compete on the defensive end the way he has recently, (coughs) you look at the film, you look at the way that he's using his body, he's using his hands, he's jumping out in passing lanes, he's doing these different types of things to compete rather than just getting beat off the dribble consistently. This is a player that's really rounding out his game, and he's going to start garnering some national spotlight pretty soon with the way he's playing. I mean, I cannot believe how efficient, how effective he has been.
1: You know, you start to look at the next nine days for Detroit. Um, they got two games with Chicago, with one being on the road and then coming back home on Sunday. Then they go to Brooklyn. They go to Miami. They play the Lakers at home, which if Lonzo's still out and LeBron doesn't play because supposedly he's not playing on these back-to-backs now, becomes a very winnable, must-win type of game. Um, But then you get Toronto the following Sunday on March 17th at home. So they have at Brooklyn, at Miami, home versus Toronto, those are three really big games over the next 9 days if you want to further solidify yourself, you know, into a, you know, a 6 seed in the Eastern Conference. And heck, you never know. If Boston, you know, doesn't pick it up, maybe Detroit if they stay hot finds a way to even contend for the
2: 5th seed. Yeah, I think the 5th seed's pretty I I don't it's think hard. It's hard. I don't, it's hard don't think to get, they'll to. get to the 5th. I think I think Boston's kind of starting to figure it out a little bit, and I, I, I'm i genuine, I've been pretty high on Boston since the beginning of the season. Me too. So, I don't necessarily think they didn't catch up to the fifth seed, but I, I think it's important that Detroit just really kind of just, you know, does what they're supposed to do as a playoff team and, and win the games that they should win, you know, keep fighting, keep pushing. They they can play at this level when they want to, and, and, and they've wanted to right now, the rolling and they've been the hottest team in the league. They just got to continue to have that type of energy and that kind of fight. They cannot get complacent like we tend to see them do sometimes. They have to continue to think we haven't done anything. Like Blake Griffin said, that's what they have to continue to do. You know, you look at the schedule. You have two games against Chicago. Hey. I, I really need to point this out because I had some people questioning what I, when I said this on Twitter, but. Chicago has been a better team as of late. Much better. Since they acquired Otto Porter, they're 7-5 with a couple of those losses coming in a very close game fashion. They're coming off a win against the Philadelphia 76ers. This is not a team that you're just going to roll over. Chicago is a good, uh, playing good basketball right now. Zach Levine continues to make the jump to, sh- to stardom that people believed he could do. Otto Porter is a very efficient shooter. Is coming out as a more prolific scorer in Chicago. And Laurie Markkinen was averaged twenty six points in the month of February. This is a team that is complete. And Robin Lopez, just looking Pistons wise, is a guy that's given Andre Drummond trouble throughout his career. So these two, you know, these two games against the Bulls. They're not rollover games. These are games that Detroit's going to have to come out and compete in. Then they have a huge game against against Nets for playoff seeding for tiebreaker record record-wise. That's a big game. Then they have Miami, another tiebreaker playoff impacting kind of kind kind of game. And then you have the Lakers, who the team lost to earlier in the season with LeBron out. So these next you know five games for Detroit, they're big games. We need to see this team come out and continue to play at the level that they're playing at to really show just. How sincere they are about being as good as they claim that they can be.
1: Yeah, we got to be careful with this hottest team in basketball, though. You know, you look at, like, the Milwaukee Bucks, they've won 24 out of 30. We've won 10 out of 12. Just to kind of bring everybody back into reality for a minute, they have won 24 out of 30
2: games. That's incredible. Milwaukee is, and I, and, I, and I talked about this with Ryan before the podcast, but Milwaukee is just the one team I, I, Detroit will get swept by in the playoffs. 100%. If they get matched up with them. Mm-hmm. If Detroit falls to the 18. I do
1: think that they can at least take one, if not two, from everybody else in that top of the Eastern Conference. And I think they can win a series with Indiana. I think they could win a series with Philly. I don't think they can beat a healthy Toronto, but I do think that they could take them to five.
2: You know, and, and it's, I, I watched a Milwaukee-Indiana game last night, and, you know, the Bucks went on a couple runs in the first half, then they let up a little bit, Indiana drew it close to go into halftime, and then the Bucks just absolutely murdered them in the second half. This is a team that when they turn it on, they're insane. And and Giannis is an MVP candidate, maybe it over James Harden. Chris Middleton's playing at an all-star level. Eric Bledsoe's playing at an all-star level. You have Brooke Lopez doing what he's done, shooting the ball. You add a guy like Nico Miritich, a guy that can score the ball in a couple different ways. Um, I mean, even Tony Snell was okay yesterday. I mean, this is a team that is is so good. Oh, and I didn't even talk about Malcolm Brogdon, who is another just super efficient, right, good defensive-level player. This is a very good team. Detroit does not want to see them whatsoever. But, yeah, you know, okay, maybe you're right. Detroit maybe not is... is an, necessarily the hottest team in the league but they're pretty darn close to being the hottest team in the league let's let's put it that way that fair they're they're up there they're one of the hottest they're just not
1: the no
0: it's definitely not the hottest
1: but they're hot yes they're hot there's no doubt about that you know um, because if you look across the rest of the league they're only what I think there's only two teams in their last ten that have went eight and two. That is Detroit and Milwaukee. So Detroit is one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. Again, 10 out of 12 for Detroit. And one other thing I want to talk about before maybe we wrap up for the podcast this week, guys. There's a lot of talk going on right now about Blake Griffin and whether Blake Griffin should get some rest and Dwayne Casey and the medical staff should um, have Blake sit a game, a couple games, and preserve him for the playoffs. You could take one or two approaches to this. One approach says, yeah, you have to rest Blake because, you know, you don't want him to get hurt. You don't want him to fall apart for the playoffs and not be able to give you what you need to compete in the playoff series. The flip side is you're still right in the heat of the race. Can you afford to give Blake a rest right
2: now? The the argument is so compelling either way. You know, I really, like, you Uh can tell me the reasons why he should rest, and I'll be like, yeah, he should rest. Then you should. Then you can tell me the reasons why he shouldn't rest, and I'll be like, yeah, he shouldn't rest. The argument for both sides is just extremely strong because there's two different mindsets. You know, it's the mindset of Blake needs to play. You shouldn't rest against a team like Chicago. One, because Chicago is playing better, but two, you need to make sure you beat the teams that you should beat, mm-hmm. and that's a very compelling argument. You know, you need to beat the teams that you are better than, and and that's why Blake should play, but. You should also beat Chicago. And Blake's numbers have taken a huge dip. Averaging under 17 points per game. Uh, You know, he's shooting about 40% from the field, 25% from the three-point line. His numbers are down across the board. You know, the Pistons are still a huge positive with him on the floor. But the numbers for him specifically are down. And it just looks like he's fatigued. And then you look at the way the rest of the team has played. Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Andre Drummond. Everyone else is clicking. You know, they should be able to handle Chicago. Um, so he should rest, and then it's like, yeah, well, maybe he should. Then it it goes both ways, and it's so hard to just, to decipher which is the best answer. Right. But you also have to look at <clears throat> this is the first you know Blake's on pace to play damn near eighty games this year, and, and he has not done that in a very long time. You know he has missed time with injuries every single year, so you're really really using him, and he's a guy that expends more energy than just about every player with the charges he takes, with the times he's on the floor for loose balls, with the you know usage he has on offense. That's a guy that expends more energy than just about every damn player in the league. You are really, really using him. And for him to not be injured is fantastic. But you also have to look at exhaustion. He may just be exhausted right now. And he may need a, okay, well the Pistons had yesterday off and they played a day and then they have another off day tomorrow. Let's rest him tonight. Let's give him three days just to kind of take it easy. And let's just let him rest, let his legs get under him, let him do some rehab stuff, and then let's put him back out on the court. But you just also need to make sure in an Eastern Conference that's so close right now that you win every game possible. Right. The the question is so tough to answer. I really think that Eileen towards Blake needs to rest for a day. You need to get him one of these Chicago games off. I agree. And I think um,
1: Detroit fans won't like this. I think it's got to be the home game because, he play, you know, you go to Chicago, you play tonight, you get a road win. And or at least you hope you get a road win. You come home and you bank on your crowd, you bank on guys stepping up on the home floor. Pistons fans want to see Blake play. I know that sucks. But if he doesn't play, now he gets he gets Saturday off, Sunday off and all day to mentally prepare and physically prepare for that Brooklyn game which is Huge in Brooklyn on
2: Monday, and the thing is, a Sunday game is going to be an ugly game anyway. It's a yeah. twelve. It's a noon tip-off. No one's going to be shooting the ball. While no one's going to have their legs under them, it's going <laughs> to be a, a defensive battle, a rebounding battle. It's going to be brutal. Um, I think another indicator for for this would be if Zaza is healthy, because you, your, your big man rotation is going to be awfully slim. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't have Dre getting into foul trouble with no Blake. Because then, you know, if Zaza's not healthy, then you have Thon, John Lure and Glenn Robinson third as your big men. Um, so that's another factor. But I, I just think, you, you know, Blake has had such a heavy workload. You've got to you, get him one of the you've Chicago get, You've got to get him a rest. And, and and they'll have opportunities towards the end of March. You know, they got Cleveland on the back of the back of back Back end of a back-to-back to be able to squeeze him into. And I know they played Phoenix shortly after that mm-hmm. Cleveland game that they could squeeze him into a rest there. But right now... I think it's important to get them one of these two Chicago games.
1: Well, you, you mentioned that. Let's talk about that for a quick second, right? Because you have that Sunday game versus Toronto um, on the 17th. You know, and you kind of look at it. The Pistons, we talked about how they've played less games than everybody else. The schedules, you, you're not getting a lot of off days in between games anymore. you got some time to rest in the first half of the season just with a couple days off here and there. You don't have that in the second half. So in terms of finding some days for rest, I think the Chicago game at home on Sunday is one of them. I think he's got to play every game this week. But then I don't think he should play on Monday the 18th or Thursday the 21st. And he should have like almost a week. Or maybe he could play a little. Like He could play some minutes in Phoenix, but he should be on a light workload. And he shouldn't play on Monday. That way he gets almost a full week of rest, recovery, and whatnot before a huge three-game stretch um, over four days with uh, Portland, Golden State, and the Nuggets.
0: you, you got to think about where this team is at right now
1: and where they were
0: before they got to this stretch. Right now, like we said, Dre's clicking, Reggie's clicking, Wayne Ellington's found his shot, Luke is doing some work, Ish is doing some work, Langston is shooting about 37%. We're getting offense from other guys. Where were we before this stretch? Blake was carrying the team every night doing everything. Mm -hmm. If Blake wasn't putting up 25, 30, 35 points, it was a loss for the team. Think about how much he was working, and how much energy he was expending doing that. Literally carrying the team all the way through up until about 12, 13, 14 games ago. And he hasn't played a full season in years, it feels like. He is tired. I understand we're in the thicket of this playoff race, and we need wins, and we absolutely do. We need every win we can get, and we've got to beat the lower-end teams, like the Bulls, who, yes, they're playing good ball, you know, but these 18-win teams, 19-win teams, you absolutely have to beat them. But we cannot risk injuring Blake Griffin because of his exhaustion. You can tell he's tired. He needs some time to rest. And I am not willing to risk the playoffs this year and next year, where next year is the real year where we should get stuff going if Dre and Reggie are who we think they are now. I'm not willing to risk Blake Griffin over one game. Give the man his damn rest. He's earned it. He is carrying this team. Or he did up until this point. We have found – our team is clicking – this team should be able to handle one game without him against the Bulls. Yeah. They absolutely
1: should. If they can't, that tells us everything tells we need you to know. That tells you
0: everything you need to know. Everything. This team should be able to handle one game against a lower-level team without him. Like, of course, all teams are professional teams. Any team can beat any team on any night. Exhibit, Chicago just beat Philly. I get that. But in general... If you are a playoff team making that playoff push, playing with urgency, if Andre is that superstar he's trying to take that next level to, and Reggie Jackson is healthy and ready to lead a team as a point guard, they can go one night without Blake Griffin in there, so he can get some R and a little rest and recovery, go through go through some therapeutic, uh, you know, um, things that he needs to do—the cryogenic clap, the stuff, the the ice baths, the massage, whatever he needs to do to get right. Because you can see he's not finishing at the rim at all. Right. Short-arming a lot of his three-pointers, like Aaron said. The guy needs to take a minute. He
1: needs to. And and then it's one of those things, too. Then you don't have to go through the mental prep of a game and the physical prep of a game. And you really can just focus on that rest recovery for a full two days. That's huge. you said, you don't have to lock
0: in all day. You have to be locked in. That's a lot mentally to take on. That's another thing that can really weigh you down. Being able to just let it go for a couple days straight where he's not thinking about it, where he doesn't have to yeah. be locked in constantly mentally as well as physically it's a full body break yeah mind and body
1: the other thing you could do when you look at that upcoming stretch right is you know if you gave him that Cleveland game off play him Thursday play him Saturday play him Sunday you know and then rest him on Tuesday in Denver pretty much chuck that one up as a loss and focus on getting back home versus Orlando you know you get a couple big games then with the Pacers, you're going on that final push of the season. So I think our simple answer here, though, is yes, the Pistons have to find a way to get Blake some rest. They have to be careful about it because you know the risk of resting him versus some of these lower-end teams is that you know these are supposed to be wins for Detroit in case if they can't find themselves on top against a couple of these other tougher opponents down the stretch, they lose a couple games that's the risk you take. And if you're a playoff team and if we're talking about them being you know, possibly a legitimate playoff contender and a, a chance to win a playoff series or two, then you got to be able to win without Blake a couple times. Bottom like, line.
0: And you have to. And like I said, I get it. We need as many wins as we can get because we're in this playoff push. But I'm not willing to risk his health and next season for this yep. team. I'm not. Why in this year's playoff push? One game is not going to define this entire rest of the nineteen games. Yeah, it just won't, so, or two or three. We said there's, se- i said there's seventeen winnable games, and the Pistons have held true to every game I thought was winnable so far. It's not like they're behind schedule. Yeah, they're not. They're right on schedule with how, where they need to be in terms of this final stretch post All Star break or post All Star game. Excuse me. They're the, fine.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Detroit, a couple big games coming up. This week they've got one, two, three, four games before we podcast next on uh, next Friday. So we appreciate everybody tuning in to our podcast here today. Detroit looking to stay hot, looking to stay above five hundred as they currently sit in that sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Before you go, don't forget, like, rate, Review, subscribe to the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. You can check each of us on our own personal accounts as well at A Johnson NBA, at Ryan Pay, and at Media Brendan, or on Instagram at Palace Pistons. We also have the Palace of Pistons Facebook page as well, so be sure to like that and check us out there. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in this week. We'll see if the Pistons can stay hot, and we'll see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast.